This is Luke Haley with the Luke Haley Band, and you're listening to the Local Earshot Podcast. This town was so strong with everybody around, and this town was built up back before he tore it down, back when the people were proud, yeah, back when a handshake was around. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Local Earshot Podcast. we got a double this week. We have our friend Luke Haley. He's in the uh, house with us today. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, brother. How you doing? We're making it, man. We're, we're getting by. Jonathan Grissom, More Bands Media. How you doing, brother? I'm good. We, uh, we got Luke Haley today, and tomorrow we have a band out of Tulsa. They're going to join us remote. They're called Studio House Project. I got a hold of them earlier this week, but I haven't followed up. I've been this week. It's just been... <laughs> <laughs> things burning up and crashing and all. Yeah, i saw all your oven what the fuck was that i don't know man uh it, it burned completely through the coil which is normally you'll normally you'll get a circuit breaker or a fusel blow before that happens but i'm just glad we found it before the fire department had to that ain't no yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah dealt with one of those before that ain't no fun Ooh, was it your oven no, it wasn't my oven. It was a heater. Oh, yeah. And I guess there's a little bit of a leak in the heater when it kicked on. Yeah. Ooh. It was not explosive, but damn close to being explosive. <laughs> uh, loud enough to let you know that it's there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Luke, um, we we go back basically to childhood as far as back at the home, same hometown and everything. And uh, um. Tell us a little bit about where you're from or the people listening and uh, what you're trying to start, get going out in uh, eastern Oklahoma County and Pot- Pottawatomie County with the red dirt scene. Man, I'm uh, from a cloud, like you said, you know, we grew up together. Uh, I think really, honestly, you probably, you know, you know my sister a lot better because yeah. I think if y'all graduated together, if yeah, I'm not we mistaken. Were in, yeah, several of the same classes. Yeah. Growing up. Shout and, out to Carrie. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, working at Country Boy together and man and Harps. Harps it's now. It's Harps now. So, you know, it'll yeah, always be Country yeah, Boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's always those people, you know. <laughs> but uh, man, just trying to get, you know, trying to get my name out there, you know, and I, I love playing music. I love being a part of the music scene. I love the people that you get to meet, you know. You, you never realize how many talented musicians there are yeah. until you're out there and playing and you come in and your guns loaded and then you see that first guitarist get up there it's like well i'm probably gonna sit back now and just let that guy take the show yeah. you know and, and you're like what's that Where, where's this guy been uh, he he works at some little shit job and does this other, you know that's like that's just really cool you just never know exactly you never yeah. know yeah and uh <clears throat> you know that kind of happened with us we were i played in a band called uh 46 state for a long time and uh, that you know, kind of what got everything started. And, uh, but the bass player we had, Brad Ramsey, phenomenal bass player. He's also out of McLeod. And, uh, he told us, he's like, Hey, when I start coming up to the corner pocket, he's like, hang out with the band called Drifters Calling. And, uh, he's like, you know, play some shows with them and everything like that and see what happens. And so we're like, all right, it was an open mic. So we went up there and, uh, come walking in there and there's a guitarist behind there that just, I mean, blew my mind the entire time. We'll come to find out his name is Brent Kruger. And, oh, and, that guy. Yeah. Oh, buddy. <laughs> and and we, we, we can get into him a little bit oh, later, buddy. but, yeah, he's uh, a, he's a pistol boy. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that was kind of my first taste in the realization that there's a lot better guitarist out there, you know, that are a lot, you know, more well, well-rounded than what I thought I was. You so know. is, is. 
was that your first inkling to actually pick up a guitar? Did you know you were into music before? Or Most what? definitely. You know, I got into music listening to uh, Pink Floyd. You know, I know Woo-hoo. you've talked about this on multiple <laughs> occasions. You know, David Gilmour, that's... It, th- that's yeah that's the number one guitarist as far as i'm concerned i mean that guy's phenomenal and uh that's what really got me into music you know my mom was real big into music she was real big into the 70s and 80s you know and the you know it's it's, it's funny how you look at that stuff because you look at my mom who would go from you know seals and croft and then the next song you know was the eagles and then the next song would be you know pink floyd and then we'd go back to you know I don't even Leonard Skinner, you know, it just, it jumped around. around. Yeah, absolutely. And now you look at my iPod and it's the same way, you know, and just having, you know, being able to generate all of those into one influence, you know, or some sort of some way. And just that, you know, that's really what got me going. Like I said, it was Pink Floyd and listening to the wall album, dark side of the moon, you know, all of that stuff and listen how phenomenal he was. And that's what really got me interested in wanting to play music. Hmm. That's, that's funny. I, I grew up in a house, I guess somewhat divided musically. Um, it's actually gone. It's actually gone either way, depending on what's popular on the charts for that decade. So the '90s, we listened to a lot of country in my house. Yes, but my mom, she's she's an '80s rock and roll chick, you know. So it was all she always had like a you know ACDC, Back in Black, or, oh yeah, or the Eagles or something in there, always in the rotation. But then. Around the time I got to be a teenager, like my dad actually took me to my very first concert. It was George Jones. And uh, Ron White was the comedic opener. So my first concert experience ever was a country western show. And I wasn't really into it at that point in time. I just wanted a headbang and mosh pit and all that stuff. But then, like, uh, I guess about a year later, my uh, mom took me to the Eagles on their Hell Freezes Over tour. And that was like pretty eye opening, like in the sense of how big it can get. Yes. Whoa. You like, you really can get to this level. And then there's even bigger levels, you know, that, that to me just blew my mind. And that got me interested in the, how, how far the productions can go. But as far as being a musician, man, almost right in line with that. David Gilmore slash. Probably before. Yeah. I didn't really appreciate David Gilmore until a little later. Yeah. But those two guys are, yeah, those are my main guys, man. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and, you know, you talking house divided, it was really that same way because my dad was real big in the country. You know, he was the Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, you know, stuff like that. And so getting both sides, you know, of, of, I guess you could say the music. And I don't know, you know, I pay a lot of respect and, you know, to the Waylon Jennings and stuff like that, you know, because the way they did things, you know, they were very smart about it and just, I mean, killer musicians, well, killer those, songwriters, you know. The way, especially Waylon Jennings, the way he came up about that, it's where you start to learn that rock and roll is, um, it's an attitude. Yes. It's how you approach things. Because yes. Waylon Jennings, he's considered country Western, but if you look at his career, like the moves he made, business wise and how he approached playing yeah very much rock and roll oh for sure he was a rebel yes yeah (laughs) blowing up bars and stuff like that. i I mean (laughs) just the the story of him getting on stage at cbgb's which was a punk 
club. Yeah. And he says, we came in to play country music. And if you don't like it, you better not say anything because exactly. we can kick your ass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> like, well, I think we're going to sit down and enjoy this yeah. one tonight. I don't, I don't like this band. I haven't even heard a song, man. <laughs> so where did you, where did the uh, transition take for you? Because I, I went down more the the path of metal, rock and roll, and came back to learning country because – it, it took a while just learning the instrument to realize like, Oh, all these techniques are applicable across all the genres. It's, you know, it's a matter of tweaking in your tone and whatnot that changes really the, what you're playing for. So yeah. like, where did you, where did you kind of divert? You know, I started out when I started playing, uh, I had a guy, his name was Chris Wright and we actually had a falling out, which really kind of sucks. Cause you know, he was a, he's a great guitarist and, uh, I, you know, I had a mutual friend who, I guess it was his stepbrother, if I remember correctly, anyways, uh, told me, Hey, you know, he plays guitar. Why don't you talk with him? You know, kind of see, I'm like, all right. So, you know, him and I got in contact together and he really taught me everything that I know on the guitar. A lot of my, you know, guitar licks that I stick to, uh, still today, a lot of the stuff that I learned back then, I'm still using today, you know, nothing's really changed, you know, but falling into the you know, the classic rock scene, you know, stuff like that. Just cause you know, you're at that age where, you know, going all through junior high and high school, you know, I'm never going to listen to country music. You know, I'm sticking to, you know, rap music and rock music. That's where it's at. You know, oh, yeah. forget the country music stuff. That stuff's boring. And someone took my dog and my girlfriend left me, you know, and <laughs> now that I'm older, it's like, man, I really love the fact that someone took that guy's dog and his girlfriend <laughs> left him. You know, like that's really some great music, you know. And <clears throat> so went to, uh, you know, really started diving into country music. And I'm gonna kick myself for saying this aloud, but Keith Urban, you know, like I really dove into his music, and uh, I figured, you know, heck, if I if I buy his guitar, you know, he had a, uh, uh, I know it was a Gibson, I can't remember what it, uh, what it, what Gibson it was, but I know it was a Gibson, anyways. And I was like, man, if I buy that guitar, I can, I can sound like Keith Urban, you know? And so I was saving money and, and, uh, never bought a guitar like his, but I did buy an electric guitar and tried to sound like him. And then, you know, whenever me and Chris met, he started more influencing me, you know, into the Pink Floyds and, you know, and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, well, you know, David Gilmore has that red strat. If I buy a red strat, I sound like David Gilmore, you know. Tone well, chasing. They exactly. Tone chasing. Well, I got news for you. You ain't never going to sound like David Gilmore, you know. And so I learned real quick, well, why don't you just go buy yourself a little cheap guitar and sound like Luke Haley, you know. See, I didn't learn quick. I, it took thousands of dollars for me to learn. Well, you know, like I, I had a bunch of like uh, mod boards, you know, I guess what you would call them or pedal boards or, or you know, whatever you want to call them that I come across that – you know, I would find something that sounded like, oh, man, I could kind of work with this and never really dove into the tone stuff here. I'd say probably within the last couple of years is when I really started diving into tones. And I had a real good friend of mine who we'll talk a little bit on about a little bit later. But so Harold Bear is his name and he's from Norman. And uh, he's really who got me into the tone scene. And I'll tell you, he told me, he's like, Luke, once you get started down the tones, like it ain't ever going to stop. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I'll find my tone that I want. And, uh -huh. You know, two years later and about three grand in the hole, you know, he didn't learn real quick that he wasn't kidding about the tone chase, you know, <laughs> it's, I, I, I call myself a tone junkie yeah, because I know very, uh, viscerally what junkie behavior is. And that is what it, uh, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's, 
constant. Yes. And the actually, I'm actually uh, learning things on the flip side of tone chasing that can be equally as frustrating as you get it dialed in, lay it down, record it, play it, whatever you do, and then you turn your amp off for the night, and it cools down like it does, yeah. and you know you turn it back on the next day and. It's just not it's quite. Not it's, it's yeah. It's just not quite there. Yeah. Like oh. Yep. But that on the other side is where the digital, the full digital stuff comes in because you can sure. turn those off, turn them back on, and it you know you got no two differentials, no nothing there. Absolutely. Jesus Christ. You got a fucking Chinook going over here, man. <laughs> Beating the air into submission, man. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's one thing we've we've seen a lot of uh, a lot more aircraft and stuff since the Ukraine thing kicked off, man. Yeah. And doing the flight patterns around Tinker, yeah, you know, is what it is, I suppose. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> bad divert there. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, you know. <laughs> so, what's your uh, what's what's kind of stuff you run? I know you bought that Telecaster, and uh, that's usually the first step in a tone that check. Is the first, uh, yes, finding the guitar. That's what your hands actually touch. Yep. So that's your first thing you can manipulate. I, I like those thin lines. It's a very pretty guitar. How long ago did you get that? That I've probably had that for uh, probably going on two years now. Okay, roughly. Uh, I bought that. Cause from like I said earlier, Harold Bear, uh, he had it, and he has got an in-home studio that he wanted to put more money into, and so he came to me because he knows I've been looking for a thin line and uh, was over at his house tone chasing, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> he's like, "Hey, I'm going to sell my, uh, you know, my telly." He's like, are, "Are you interested in wanting to buy it?" And I said, "Well, I said, you know, depends on how much you know you want for it." And he kind of looked at it. He said, man, I've had this guitar for 20 years. You know, he said it was one of my first guitars I ever bought. And uh, he's like, uh, uh, let me let me see for, you know, let me think a little bit. And he's like, we'll come back to it. So I'm like, all right. Well, at that time, I was playing a Les Paul Studio Edition mm-hmm. Gibson, you know. And uh, my wife bought that for me. Shout out to my wife, Shauna, for buying that for me on, uh, I believe it was Valentine's Day. Because I lost my guitar in a tornado. And so she went out and bought that for me for a present. And... Uh, Love that guitar. Played that guitar for a long, long time. Had one of the headstock tuners on it, so you just turned it on and stood back, you know. I and don't like. Those, I don't man. either. I hate them. I took it off and put my own, you know, put my own pegs on there. <laughs> um, but uh, by the time that, that you know, by the time we got done chasing tones and finding what I liked for that particular, you know, because I was running, I had the Gibson and then I had a uh, Hot Rod Deluxe that I was running for my amp, and. uh found the tone that we liked and we kind of sat there for a little bit with chit chat. And he's like, you know, Luke, he said, I'll, I'll take 800 for that thin line. And, uh, so I was like, well, let me think on it, you know, in my head, That's you know, I'm just like, fair. Oh, I can go out to the truck right now and get it. You know, <laughs> can I do that? No. Cause I'd like to be stay married, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, That's a super fair price though. <laughs> it Ugh. is. It is sold. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, <laughs> I called my wife on the way home and I was like, Hey, you know, Harold's got this thin line for sale that I want. And I was like, he's wanting 800 for it. You know, do you mind if I buy it? And she's like, yes, you can buy it, but it's the last thing you're buying for a while. She's like, you're cut off. And I'm like, excuse me i'm sorry and i was like i totally understand you know i've been putting a lot of money out there well if you got the you got a les paul you know you have the telly you kind of got a lot to work with exactly two totally different sounds and i can't explain that to my wife she doesn't get that you know (laughs) but uh (laughs) but uh ended up getting that telly man and fell in love with it you know it's it's got incredible sound and uh i just 
I, I love it, man. I Telecasters grew on me. Actually, I was the same way uh, learning how to play because all my, all everybody I looked up to, minus David Gilmore, were Les Paul and Marshall guys. Yeah. Just get a Les Paul, turn a Marshall up to ten, and you'll be all right. You exactly. Know? Not so much the case, but uh, I was anti fender, anti single coil pickup forever. And I, every time I played them, I didn't like them. They weren't they weren't comfortable, and eh, I just said, rah, 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 just being a <laughs> guitar elitist prick is really what I was doing. Yeah, for sure. But then I I I played that white Strat I got in a guitar store, and as soon as I even held it, I didn't even pick it. I didn't play it yet. I was like, I'm probably in trouble. It just felt good. Yeah, <clears throat> you know the neck. That's when they did the new necks, the compound radius. And I was like, yeah. And then I played it, and I'm like, yeah. Called my wife, like you do. <laughs> yep. And get permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you know, I bought that, and then, you know, after buying that and picking on it and playing, like, that's when I really hardcore started diving into sounds, you know, because I was like, man, it's just one of those guitars, like, from the first time I played it, I was just like, it's the one. And being a guitarist, yeah. you know that. Like, it's, you play that one, and it's like, you just know. A lot of it's in know? the neck. The yes. heel, the, if the neck heel is shaved properly, and it's, well, it sounds dirty as hell. <laughs> 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 Talking about guitars like a sexy woman or something. But, I mean, uh, hey, you know. Hey, the, hey, sometimes you know. that's how you have to play them, but, you know. You know <laughs> if it's shaved properly and nice and smooth, <laughs> fits in your hand just right. <laughs> uh yeah it's usually the first uh, usually the, the the neck hand if you're hold, the neck hand for me if that's immediately comfortable i can usually that's that's the the light bulb yeah and the rest you know if the pickups can be changed yes the, the bridge can be changed the tuning pegs all that shit can be changed but if the neck is not made good just ain't gonna work you're right you're and, right and telecasters usually fall somewhere because people bitch about less paul's being too bulky too like a, a, a d shape really and uh if you think of a d the round part in your hand that's what it feels like and a strats are more of a c shape yeah and your telecasters fall kind of in between that and that's one thing i've noticed as far as like comfort ergonomics you know that's when i reach for a telecaster that's what i i, I like about them but the tone on them is not in between a strat and a les paul the tone is I don't know. Tellys, do, they do their own thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I you can beef them up more than a Strat, but you can't brighten them up like a Les Paul. It's, yes. it's very weird. Yes, it is. You know, and that and that that is one thing I will say. You know, <laughs> you're probably gonna throw something at me for saying it, but that was one thing I will say that I didn't like about is just how heavy that damn Gibson was. Yeah. Man. I mean, that Gibson, I mean, like I like picking up, I was like, man, that thing's got some weight to it. But then when you're playing for three or four hour oh, shows, yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. just like, Oh my <laughs> gosh. You know, by the time it's over, you felt like you've done lost 300 pounds, you know, when you take it off your shoulder, oh, you yeah. know, but I, I mean, it is what it is. And, I, and, and it's got, I mean, it's just got that tone, that deep bassy, you know, smooth as butter you know tone that you know that i love from the gibson but that telly's got that country fight and that's yeah where I fall that's where i fall well and and that's kind of what i was going to lead into with that is um a lot of guys coming out of nashville yeah i mean especially now it seems like after covid there's been like a great migration and now you have musicians that have moved 
from say a hotspot, Nashville, LA, New York, whatever. And, and you're getting this different blend of shit coming in and Nashville I'm hearing, and you've heard it for a while is more of a rock yep. pop influence in the country music, but I'm, I'm hearing it in a different way where it's actually artists that I like that aren't, aren't, to, I don't like Luke Bryan's and, and the, Sorry if you oh, I'm there, but I'm not there. my thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But you you can hear it in like you'll have a a Les Paul on the rhythm that bottom end, and almost in in the same frequencies as the bass. Not quite, but it's down. It gives that oomph. Yeah, and then you'll have the lead player with a Strat or a Telecaster yep. over the top on that bright kind of uh, twangy yep. tone that you you get with traditional country. So when I hear something like that, I get super excited. I'm like, oh, finally. <laughs> finally, they, they're actually maybe figuring this out and getting the mix in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but two strats going at it, not very pleasant to the ear. Two yeah. tellies. If you have the right players, you can do it. Yeah. But I like that dynamic of that that ass end, that heavy crunch with the the top end yeah. over the top. Seeing like, you know, that was one thing with me when I first started diving into my tones. Like, I wanted, you know, because you keep, I keep a slight, a slight distortion on my rhythm. I'm not, not real heavy. If I get into it, you can really kind of feel it. But whenever I hit that lead pedal, I want it, you know, I want that crunch. Right, I want right. that bite. And like, I, you know, the more I mess with it, mess with it. And like now it's just not that way at all. There's just a little bit, you know, like I said, you know, you have a little bit on, on the rhythm, but then when you turn on that crunch, it gives it just a tad bit more, but it's not enough unless you're doing double string, you know, bends, you know, whatever. That's when you really get that crunch sound. And I, like, I'm finally happy with that. Cause I would always jump back and forth, you know, like I, 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 I guess it's just certain songs, certain things, mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, when I'm playing, you know, the outro solo for the dance, I want a nice, clean, crisp, you know, sound. But if I'm playing lead for, you know, like we did earlier with can't you see, you know, I want that, you know, dirty. feedback. I yeah. want the dirty, you know, and so it just goes back and forth. And just like we said, you know, you can get what you want, but you're never going to be happy with yeah. that tone. is. <laughs> so it's like, well, well, this pedal, you know, fits perfect for this guitar, you know, this Garth Brooks solo. But then I'm going to need to go out here and buy this other pedal because this pedal fits well. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's amazing how fast you can go from three pedals to 10 oh, in a yeah. span of five songs. You know, I, I, I ask myself what, is acceptable for a listener yeah because go, going to concerts even with my wife i mean she's a huge music fan too that's that's literally the foundation of our relationship that was our first date was a death metal concert <laughs> but uh shout out to chris gomez and perseus <laughs> hey guys uh, uh, <laughs> but even even her like she told me she's like I was talking about a concert and I was explaining how the song broke down and what was going on. And she was like, Brad, you need to understand you don't go to shows and you don't consume live entertainment the same way most people do. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you broke down that whole song and, and you, you know what's going on. Most people are just have their hands up in the devil horns and just rocking out. Like, yeah. I'm like, I guess I, I, I can, I can, I can see that, but like you said, I, I almost had to start just asking myself what's acceptable, not what do I think is yeah. perfect because I'll never get, I'll yeah. never have the right answer. If yes. I ask myself, if if I like it more like, does that sound good to you guys in the band? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to keep pushing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'll drive myself crazy. Well, well, you know, I've really, you know, something we can, you know, hit on too is, you know, really getting into, you know, the Americana side of things and listening to the Jason Isbels and, you know, and stuff like that and like watching live videos and like it'll do like a big pan shot and you'll see his pedal board and his pedal board is NASA. like <laughs> the size of this table. And and you look at this and he uses every one of those pedals. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Gotta be like, I would, way, there's no way I would never use those. And then I'm like, well, okay, I see why. Like, I probably would use all of those, you know. I just don't have the money. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, you know, my, my, my buddy Chad always points out Slate Digital. I mean, you, you have all that stuff built into the software. So oh, no yeah. You have all those pedals. Yeah. This rig is amazing. It's about this, about the size of this uh, case. And that motherfucker has everything on it that i'm aware of i mean orange amps marshall amps all the all those and it nails it yeah i mean that's his whole rig I'm, I, I go into rehearsals with a, a big amp and my guitar and all this shit he's got a backpack in his guitar case wow that's it and it's he can he can play a stadium or a bar wow yeah that's crazy it's it's freaking nuts and it's like digital is only like 10 15 bucks a month and like the, for the software yeah but like you can be like, oh, I want to sound like Hendrix in his original studio. Oh, now you're sitting in yeah. Hendrix studio. That's, that's <laughs> Bring it up on your phone. Is. Wow. I think, you know, Spark I think... amps are the same way where they, oh. they have all those features in them now. You probably know about the Spark amps. I don't think I do. Oh, they're this um, little 40 watt. Oh, not much bigger than that. A little bigger than that. Uh, and it uh basically has presets on it where if you go to youtube and look up the phone it'll run a search and find all the inputs it automatically input it and if you look up i don't know, pick a song pantera you know it'll go through and then it takes the internet information and it dials in your amp and it will nail that tone that's intense it's crazy yeah. that's in technology I mean, yeah it's nuts i mean i'm it's getting hard for me to defend tube amps yeah. at this point. And I'm a, I mean, I love the, I love a concert where the tube amps are cranked up and ah, I love that. I, I'm so glad you said that because me yeah. and Brent go back and forth because <laughs> I, cause like, you know, I've got that, the hot rod fender, which is a tube and I have now switched over to a solid state. Whoo-wee. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> me and Brent go back and forth all the time on that. He's like, I can't believe you got rid of your tube. Like, no, I still have the tube amp, but the solid state weighs 500 pounds less than that tube amp. And it sounds just as good. Like, <laughs> I, I, I have always been a, I want my tube amps guy, yeah. but I mean, nowadays, uh, gosh, Skyler, he brought in the, the spark amp and played it. And I'm like, that's nice. Yeah. And then um, I jam, I rehearse with Hollis. Shout out to those guys, Johnny and the boys. Uh, but yeah, Chad, he's his pedal board is just about yay big. And it's got, I want to say, six switches on it, maybe eight and a, a expression pedal. Yeah. And dude can, by the time I'm done dialing in my amp, he's already got six presets ready to go. I mean, that's crazy. And it's super. That's convenient. awesome. I, you know, I don't know if I could ever do that just because I think it'd be something else that I would start spending money on. <laughs> Add it to the list of stuff. Down you know? the rabbit hole we go. Exactly. So it's like, I think I'm pretty, pretty good where I'm at right now, but that's. Tone Hound. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tone Hound. Junkies. Fucking junkie. Yeah. I don't know. 
that's awesome. Though. I, yeah, I've never heard of that before. That's crazy. Well, um, what are some? Uh, you have any songs coming up? You in the middle of writing, or what? What were you at as far as uh, your next your next move? You know, I'm always writing. You know, I can go through my phone and I have 500 notes. You know, on my phone where I've started a song. I'm like, oh man, this is gonna turn out to be a great song, and then I get stuck and I'm like, oh, okay, well I'll come back to it in a couple of days and. The next thing you know, I've started three other songs and I'm like, oh, these are going to be great <laughs> songs, but I'm stuck. So I'll come back to these in a couple of days. And, you know, I'm always writing. Uh, I do a lot of writing with a real good buddy of mine, Rhett Banks. Shout out to him. Phenomenal songwriter. Uh, phenomenal drummer. I mean, just an all around great musician. And, uh, you know, we do a whole bunch of writing together. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple of songs that... Uh, that I'm real proud of, you know, one of the very first songs I ever wrote called This Old Town, you know, I'll play that one a little bit later sure. on. No, we can all. get into it. Yeah, it's, I was setting up a segue to do that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll play that song. That's that's honestly one of the first songs that I'll, I'll say, I always say the first song I wrote because there's songs previous to that that I don't want credit for that are out there that I wish never would have been out there. <laughs> But uh, this little town, I'm very proud of that song. You know, I moved up to the city uh, with my ex-girlfriend. We bought it, We got an apartment up there. And, uh, you know, the city life wasn't for me. You know, it just – all of my friends live in the city, and I, it's just not something that, that I like, you know. I so, That's why Norman, to me, is kind of that middle ground. Yeah. It's, it's not as busy as, this, as Oklahoma City, but it's – it's convenient and not out in the middle of nowhere either. Yeah. So, well, you know, and I, I sat down and wrote the song and it's just one of those that like, I, I missed being, I, I missed being able to walk out the front door and you've got, you know, somebody walking down the road in the first, Hey, how you doing, Mr. Haley? You know, like, like I missed that, you know, like th that's something you can't get living in the city. That's small town pride, you know? And, and that's, that's what I missed about it. You know, I miss being able to sit out on the front porch and not have 500,000 cars flying ass down the road, yeah. you know, and you know, I, I, the quietness of it and everything like that. And so I wrote that song and it really brought me back. And then when it finished, you know, there's a couple lines in there that, I, you know, just ring out true, you know, and uh, uh, let me see. My, well, honestly, my favorite line from the song is, you know, back when a handshake was still around, you know, that's still, that's, that's, that line sends chills over my body every time I sing it, you know. So and, did this song come out of that time frame or yeah. was the song already written? Or? No, the song came out of that time okay. frame. I, I was sitting in the apartment one day and uh, the ex was in her, was in the room and she was reading or something like that. And I was kind of just picking around on guitar and listening to music at the same time. And, Aaron Lewis has got a song out and I wish I could remember the name of it, but that was a song that was playing and it just sort of taking me back and, and listening to, you know, and well, just reminiscing, I guess, of the old times. And, you know, then the next thing you know, the song just started kind of coming out as it went. And it was one of those just little five minute songs that just came out and still my, one of my favorites that I've ever written. Cool, man. Well, let's, uh, we'll, we'll pause here. We'll get you rigged up and, uh, we'll come back and play that tune. Sounds good. Awesome, man. This is a original song that I wrote called This Old Town. Down this way so long ago Traveling down this old lost highway road the old men are sitting by the old Texaco Swapping old war stories and telling it so You could ask them how this town used to be And they'll say, son, 
you won't even believe This town was so strong with everybody around And this town was built up back before he tore it down Back when the people were proud Yeah, back when a handshake was around Back in this old part of town Never seen such a better place Where you could walk these streets and never feel out of place But that was so long ago Now all we have are memories to show This town was so strong with everybody around and this town was built up back before he tore it down Back when the people were proud Yeah, back when a handshake was around Back in this old part of the town This town was so strong with everybody around And this town was built up Back before he tore it down Yeah, back when the people were proud Yeah, back when a handshake was around Back in this old part of town Back in this old part of town Back in this old part of town. Let it fit. <laughs> cool, man. I think the uh, vocals might have been a little loud on that compared to the guitar. I could tell when you went to the high spot, you hesitated because you yeah. could hear your your voice voice over the guitar. Yep. I, I was like, I, I do the same. thing. I kind of lean back a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I don't sing a lot, but when I do, that's one thing I've noticed is if uh, you got to turn turn my voice and in, in my ears down, yes. otherwise I won't reach for it. Yes, if I hear it too prominently, I'll it, it just. I don't know. It seems like you don't have to to push it when. Yeah. It's, I, don't know, I guess studio tricks. You know, oh, yeah. I hate singing. So <laughs> Johnny's like, "Oh, yeah, we're gonna put a mic stand in front of you." I'm like, mm, "Just because it's there." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can put a mic stand anywhere you want, dude. Looking over at the sound guy. <laughs> mute me, mute oh, me. Yeah. That's my move right there. Man. You know, you saw, you were there. Oh man, you yeah. saw me singing the whole time. I don't know. Why oh you. man. Oh, well, I shit the bed bad at a gig I played with him. Uh, Oh, not with you. I guess it was kind of a, a jam session. Uh, you were just the band, the house band that was the jam session. Yeah. So I, I me and my buddy Rick, we worked out some some covers, some Pink Floyd tunes. I was just kind of tipping my toes back in the water at that point. And uh, I get out there. We play the Pink Floyd tunes, and it's it, 
went well and I'm putting my guitar up like, hey, you want to play Jimmy? Uh, I think they said. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. No, it was Simple Man because I played drums. Simple Man. Well, they, they mentioned Blackberry Smoke first. And yeah, I was like, that's right. man, I haven't really. I played them, but I haven't really been playing them, you know. And and then they said, "Simple Man." Everybody knows Simple Man, and I'm like, I haven't played Simple Man in one, two, three. Oh shit! <laughs> Here we go. It's go time, boys. It's go- <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, well, whatever. Swim. Uh, I sunk. I sunk on that uh, day. You know, it wasn't bad because I was playing drums. So if I could, I mean, it wasn't bad. It, it, I mean. <laughs> It, it was, wasn't Leonard Skinner. I mean, <laughs> it was so bad that even if someone was recording it with their phone, they wouldn't have even shared it. <laughs> they would just be like, ah, that's just sad. That poor guy. <laughs> I believe we just took a four minute solo because we forgot the second and oh. third verse. <laughs> I just, I just walked away from the microphone at one point. Even you came up to me and you're like, I got the iPad there. It's the lyrics. I'm like, I know. That's not really the problem going on right now. It's frozen. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, man. Bad gigs, man. You yeah, know, man. Uh, we were talking with my bass player the other day, and we were talking about doing uh, songs and stuff. And he was saying, you know, it used to make me so mad. He's like, because I used to do quite a bit of singing, you know. And he's like, it used to make me so mad that we'd get up. Merv Long, my bass player, by the way. Shout out to him. Phenomenal bass player. And awesome sound guy on top of that, too. He does a lot of uh, sound running for gigs. But, uh you know, he's like, I get up there and I start singing. He's like, it never failed. Uh, one of the bands I was in, he said the lead player would always come up and be like, hey, man, how, how does the first of that song start? And he's like, and I'd screw the pooch every time. He said, I'd forget the lyrics and have to stay amazed. It used to make me so mad. So I told uh, Rhett, which is my drummer, I told him, I said, one of these days, so we're going to be at a gig and I'm going to walk in and be like, hey, how's that song start? I said, just to do it to him, you know? <laughs> it, man, I hate it when that happens, too, because it can be a song like Simple Man. Yeah. You've played a million times, but as soon as someone calls it out and counts it in, yep, <laughs> just code blue, blank. code blue, totally blank. <laughs> ah, I hate it. Oh yeah. Well, uh, you gonna play another one, or what do you got in mind? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I can play another one, or we can go back to chit chat. Whatever you want to do. Let's do one more. Okay. If, if uh, all right, so that was the first song you ever written, or at least the one you're you're most proud of, at least from that time. So, yeah. if you were to introduce our listeners to um if if you were to if they were to come out to your show like what what what's a song that says like this is this is really more like what the Luke Haley band is as far as in the red dirt country scene or whatever <laughs> you know i've um i've got one that i haven't done in a long time i'm trying to remember if i can even remember the lyrics to it that uh kind of has that outlaw feel that uh, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to change. I, I when I first started, I was on that commercial side, and I was like, man, I want that radio play, I want that commercial side, so I'm going to try to write on the commercial side of style. But like, the more I I started playing music, the more I learned that like that's not where the heart's at, you know. Like, it'd be cool to have a song on the radio, like that's awesome, you know. But at the same time, like, is that really where your heart wants to be? Like, you want to write something from the heart, you want to write real you know real stuff not just something that somebody else wants to hear you know i i don't know well i agree with you um i think the thing with radio commercial success so to speak is those songs have a they're formulaic yes they can have a good message they can have good lyrics but the formula once you hear that formula enough times it's just immediately recognizable and that goes back to like 
like my wife was saying, we don't listen to music the same way most people do. Yeah. And those types of things is kind of what I notice. Yeah. So when, when you say that, are you talking like in that sense, like you, you, you formula the, the songs different as far as your verses and whatnot, or are you just talking like lyrical content, like the weight of that? Lyrical content mostly. Uh, you know, I would never say that they were, that you would be able to compare them to them because you can't. But like when I really started diving hard into the music, you know, I was not a fan of the Red Dirt scene. I didn't like it. I didn't like the Cross Canadians, the Jason Bolins, Randy Roth. I didn't care for it because in my mind, like I said, I was still on the commercial side of things. So I was still Keith Urban, you know, stuff like that. And so in my mind, it was just like, well, these musicians are just washed up musicians who never made it. So what they're going to do is go off and make their own thing, you know, and hope it works. And then like the more I started dive, you know, getting into music and playing, the more I found a lot more respect for the cross Canadians, the Jason Bowlings. And now that's really all I listen to. And when it boils down to it, like the, the red dirt scene is our generation's Waylands and Merle's. The outlaw, the type. outlaw yeah. stuff, and I and it's it's one of those that I I was just really found a, a big respect for. And it's like, man, that really is great music. It really is. So that's where I would you know kind of like to start, you know, going towards is is that is that outlaw sounding stuff. It seems know? like it has more of a of a more of a bottom end like grounded in rock and roll tempos most definitely, more of the yes. uh, as a departure from like your traditional like polished sounding 90s early 2000s yes. country albums yes like the red dirt scene was more gritty and rock and rollish i mean it's all rock and roll at the end of the day yeah that had more of a of a of a les paul marshall yeah sound yep. to it so and that's you know and just like the songs like you know like i said like you know, they're more the the more the life that we have, you know, you have. And I'm not going to get on it and start bashing artists. I'm not going to do that. But you have the Morgan Wallens. That's not a musician for me. That's not an artist, you know, like, you know, like Eminem said in one of his interviews, you know, they're ghostwriters. You know, these people are coming and they're playing somebody else's music. It's a product. Yeah, exactly. And then you get over to the Red Dirt scene and that's their music. Yeah. They wrote those songs. And that's what I respect more about it, is that they're playing their stuff. They're not playing, you know, this other stuff. They're playing their music, you know, and that and that's where my respect for for the Red Dirt scene came back into, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I have more respect for that. I have more, because they're putting themselves out there. They're not like, hey, you know, Garth Brooks, The Dance, hands down, all-time favorite song. That will always be my favorite song. And I think when it boils down to it, a lot of people like that because it's just, it's one of those songs. You're like, yeah. everybody has that pain and that heart, you know, everybody has that. But at the end of the day, you know, that's Tony Arata's song. That's not a Garth Brooks song. You know, and same way with Morgan Wallen, Cover Me Up. He brought that song back into the light. That's not a Morgan Wallen song. That's a Jason Isbell song that was wrote back in, I think, 2013. Well, and you honestly, know. Nashville has always yeah. operated kind of like that. It's and When you get someone who, like you said, is a songwriter and writes their own songs, much respect. But another thing with the Red Dirt scene that a lot of people love it or hate it, I don't know, uh, is if they do do a cover, 
they don't try to act as if it's theirs. They give credit, and they usually Most. will always yeah. put it right out there. Hey, we're covering this song. This guy wrote it. Check him out. For sure. So there's, I don't know, that, that, that as a musician, that's what I like to see. Because yeah. when you're in the business end of it, you don't really get that. Yep. Uh, when it comes to, to uh, publishing and all that stuff. We're, we're, we're both learning how that all worked. Uh, over the last year and it's it's a complicated mess but at the same time it's it's like anything else you got to go claim it you got to go get it yeah. they're not just gonna they're not just gonna give it to you you're right but if you did it you, and you have claim to it you can go get it yeah you just have to know the avenues to do it yep that's the shitty shit shit of it. <laughs> <laughs> well what are we gonna play here man let's do one more um uh, this is a uh and it's kind of gonna get a little you know choked up in here you know okay. just, just to be real honest this is a song that uh, i wrote for my mom uh you know my real mom i don't know if you i don't you probably do but uh, like my real okay. mom really wasn't around she kind of walked out a long time ago on us and now uh my mom now vicky haley i know her is, yeah she's a junior high teacher there at mcleod and uh she, you know for the fact that she stepped up and accepted four kids of her own you know and raised them up and you know, that's that's a lot to ask of somebody, yeah. you know. And so uh, I wrote this song and uh, kind of to honor her and everything. And so this is the second time I've, I've ever played it. And it's a very emotional song. So I'm going to try to make it through it. Ah, we can cut if we need to, man. <laughs> All right. So, let's uh, give her a shot. It's an original song I wrote called Song for Mama. Hope you'll enjoy it. I know a lady who is tough as nails. She lays down the law and says what's real. We've had our ups and downs, but she's never left my side. She supports my thrill and always quick to tell me to chill. And no, I wouldn't change a thing Or how the pieces fell Because to tell you the truth Us kids turned out pretty well She's up every morning Before the sun is due She's cooking us breakfast And packing our lunch too Nothing that could ever take your spot Because you kept us together Like a fisherman's knot Thank God every day that you came into my life. Cause just when I needed you most, you answered all my whys. 
It seldom seemed easy, and rarely was it fair. But I could always count on you, just being there. You taught me how to live, and showed me how to love. The lessons you taught me, I hope you're proud of. So I guess I'll get going now, and I'll see you again real soon. But I'll leave you with this one thing, and it's God's honest truth. I can't imagine life without you, and everything you do. It was never you needing me. It was me needing you. Though you may have come in late, but from the bottom of my heart, you'll always be my mama. You nailed that part. She's up every morning before the sun is due. Cooking us breakfast and packing our lunch too. There's nothing that could ever take your spot. Cause you kept us together like a fisherman's knot. No, there's nothing that could ever take your spot. Because you kept us together. Tied as a fisherman's knot. Uh, original song called Best Bad Habit. Hope y'all enjoy it. Well, I like cold beer in a shot glass full of jag well, Brother, you would too. She walked out on you. Sitting here on the same old bar stool where we met. Bar keep telling me, son, life ain't over yet. I need a three chord song.
That song was called Best Bad Habits. So uh, we talked about influences a little bit. So um, Jesus Christ, microphone about fell over. (laughs) Um, So have you have you gotten a chance to to meet anybody on your Mount Rushmore or at least somebody that's a highly influential uh, character? You know, uh, we talking earlier about uh, Red Dirt scene and everything. And and, and I kind of hate myself for not mentioning him because it's honestly one of my biggest influences when it comes to songwriting. But Brandon Jenkins uh, you know, I got to meet him. A friend of mine called me up. <clears throat> they were in a band up in Tulsa and uh, they called me up. Uh, I don't think they're together anymore, but, uh, they said he was opening up for Brandon Jenkins. And I was like, Oh, whatever. You're not opening up. They're like, no, seriously, we're going to be in Barnstall at a bar there. And, uh, we're going to be opening up for him. And I'm like, really? I'm like, if I drive to Barnstall America, <laughs> you know, and y'all play and Brandon Jenkins doesn't show up, like that's almost a three hour drive. Like I'm going to be mad. <laughs> that's work. Yeah. And so he's like, no, no, I'm dead serious. You really are. He's like, come up and check him out. So I'm like, all right, man, I'll go check him out. Sure enough, they opened up for Brandon Jenkins, man. And I got to see him and, uh, uh, about halfway, it was probably getting to be, midnight one o'clock something like that and uh, like i said it's a three-hour drive so we had to head back to mcleod and uh, so I, I told my wife i was like i've got to meet him like i just i have to go up and meet him like i'm gonna be that guy you know that's like <laughs> hey i'm gonna interrupt your set because i'm gonna meet you you know and i did i walked up to him and uh at that time he had just released a song called the flag and uh man it's a great tune and uh, it reminded me of a friend of mine who was uh who we lost overseas in the military. He was uh, killed by an IED and uh, I had some dog tags made up for him to kind of, you know, give to people who knew him, you know, and stuff like that. And so uh, as we were talking, I told him, I said, man, Mr. Jenkins, I said, I wanted to give you this dog tag. I said, as a friend of mine who was killed overseas. And I said, after listening to your song, the flag, I said, I really want you to have this dog tag and uh, shout out to you, by the way, I appreciate your service. I listened to the podcast with uh, Brian Wofford and man, man, I thank you for your service. Uh, But, um, I told him, I said, you know, we, we lost him overseas and I want to give you this dog tag. I said, and your song, The Flag, really made me want to give this to you. And I said, I had to come up and meet you and hand you this. And he said, man, I appreciate that. Nice guy. Got to shake his hand and he signed some CDs for me and all of this stuff. It was a really, it was like a fangirl experience, you know. Like I was just like, man, it's Brandon Jones, I've had him you too. Know? Yeah, so- we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, ended up, uh, he passed away March 2nd of uh, 2018 and, uh, I'm so glad that I got to meet him before he passed away because I would have been kicking myself if I never would have got to. Well, uh, I sent uh, I sent a message to, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, unless I believe it was his mom, uh, Miss Wilma Jenkins. Uh, I sent a message to her, and I was asking her about a couple of his songs. And I was like, hey, you know, what are some of the influences behind these songs, or are they just those songs that just came out? Are they real life? You know, and Red Dirt Town was one of them in particular, which is a great tune. Uh, and she said, no, Red Dirt Town is a true story. You know, he, he packed his stuff and took off, you know, to California to give it a shot and it just didn't work out. And, you know, and he called his mom and wanted to come back home and was like, you know, you're always welcome, you know? And so he came back home and, you know, and kept giving it a shot and kept giving it and finally got the break, you know, but, uh, was talking to her about that. And she called me on Facebook messenger and we talked for probably about an hour or so just about different things with him. And she was telling me a lot of the stuff he did. And uh, she had said after he had passed, they were cleaning out some chest of drawers, some clothes and stuff like that for him. 
and uh, come across the dog tag that was in his chest of drawers. Wow. And uh, I kind of sat there for a little bit. I'm like, well, that's cool. Like someone else, you know, giving him a dog tag. She's like, yeah, I pulled it out. And, and it said Eric Warren across it. And I'm like, hold up. I said, it said Eric Warren. She's like, yeah. And I said, man, I gave him that dog tag. And she's like, do what? And I said, yeah. I said, I gave him that dog tag. I said, when I met him, I said, I gave him that dog tag. I said, because of his song, The Flag, I gave that to him. And uh, she was like, no joke. And I said, yeah. She goes, well, you know, he really wasn't big on keeping stuff. Like he just didn't keep stuff like that. But for some reason he had that dog tag in his chest of drawers and we found it. I'm like, man, how cool is that? You know, like that's awesome, you know? And so, you know, shout out to Brandon Jenkins, you know, for doing, that means a lot, you know, and that's, that's really cool. And I was, that always like just stayed close to me knowing that he, he kept that, you know, that's that's cool, man. You know, it's one of the things put something out into the world and, Sometimes the shit finds its way back to you and has a has a hell of a story exactly. behind how it did. Yeah, you know? you know, and I thought that I just thought that was so cool that you know that I got to have that, and that's always a story that I'll hold near and dear to my heart. And so, and that just you know that just tells you that that's that type of person that he is. He's not that you know. Oh, this guy gave me something cool, whatever. You know, I'll just toss it in the you know in the cigarette holder, you know, whatever you know in the car. Right. Like, you know, like that's really cool. You know, and so that meant a lot to me. So I wanted to. Make sure to touch. Yeah, it. man, absolutely. That was a good story. Shout out to Brandon Jenkins and uh, his uh, mother. Yeah. Um, I don't. We'll try to tag it. Yeah, I works, but I can tag her in it and everything too. So I can. Well, cool. Well, what do you got coming up, man? Uh, let's uh, kind of wrap this up. Uh, I know you got some some gigs coming up uh, in mid April. Yeah, April fifteenth. It looks like uh, is a Highway sixty two fest. Where's that at? That is going to be over in like I guess the Choctaw Nakoma Park area, uh, where they do like the Liberty Firework Bash, you know, and oh, stuff okay. like that. Okay. And so uh, it's a big festival they have it over there. But it's either two or three days long, and uh, I believe I'm playing on the fifth Friday the fifteenth. I believe it's April fifteenth is yeah. what it's scheduled. Yeah, and so I'm, uh, that's when I'll be playing. And I got some good friends going to playing that uh, Blackwater Smoke. Shout out to them, great band. Jeff, you know Jeff and Merv and all of them. You know, great, great group of guys. Uh, they're going to be playing there too. And so I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be. I think everybody has an hour long set, and there's just going to be multiple different musicians getting up there and and just having fun. You know, it's going to be a great time. Cool, man. Um, I see you got some. Uh, dates for later in the summer and then in the fall, uh, August 6th and October 15th at Soggy Bottoms Trail. That's south of here about, what's that, Wynette? Where is that? Yeah, Wynette. Wynette, Oklahoma. Yep. yep. Um, do you, are you just kind of booking as they come? Are you, are you working more like songwriting? Where are you at right now in your process? Uh, kind of doing what comes along if they'll contact me. You know, I did a lot of hustling and trying to get gigs and, you know, I was going strong and it was, it was to a point that I almost had a show every weekend, you know, and it was awesome. I was enjoying it. And then freaking COVID oh, hit, yeah. and it just shut everything down. And I just haven't been able to regain traction ever since then. Yep. And, you know, I had some friends that's helping me, you know, uh, Tiffany Delfs, who uh, did some booking at the Alley Club. Uh, she helped me out with giving me some shows there. And, you know, shout out to the Alley Club and shout out to Tiffany for that. You know, I appreciate that very much. And, you know, uh, I just never been able to regain that traction back. And, and it really sucks, you know. I think it's, I, I think this year will be the. The year I think with the weather warming up, the the bit that I've been able to get up and see some shows, there's been way more positive turnout than there was last time last year. Yes, most <clears throat> so definitely. I think I think we're on the verge of a not only a, a good turnout and a good healthy scene coming back, but I think with the mix up of musicians that have you know relocated or moved or sought out different bands, I think we're I think we're going to see something coming back, and it's going to. 
It's going to be a fun summer, I think. I, I really hope it is. I know that I'm getting to go. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm getting to go see Whiskey Myers. I love, I love me some Whiskey Myers. That's a band Myers. that has evaded me. Oh, really? I, I haven't got to see them yet. I got um, to see Blackberry Smoke, and they were supposed to be with them, but then that show got rescheduled. They had someone else with them. Yeah. So. I, you know, I went and saw them down south, uh, Choctaw Casino, I believe is what it was, down in, what is that, Duran or mm-hmm. something like that, wherever that's at. Uh, went and saw them there, and man, it was just incredible. It was incredible. Same people that took me to go see the Steel Woods, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, and so uh, we went down there and saw them, and uh, just a great band, great band, man. <laughs> when is when you get to go see them? Here pretty soon. I want to say it's either April or May. Oh, yeah. I can't I can't remember when it's at when it is, but it's going to be at the Zoo Ramp. So I'm excited that it's an outdoor Outdoors. concert on okay. top of that. Like uh, you know, a rock concert inside isn't a rock con. You know, it's, it, it, it can be. Under, uh, I mean, if it's like February, yeah. Uh, but generally, the last concert I saw indoors that didn't have general admission seats, it was just floor was Pantera, and this was back in like the early to like two thousand oh, wow. two thousand one maybe. Yeah. So yeah, every time since then, there's always seats. So yeah, it, it's not as rowdy. Can't get yeah. as quite as quite as crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love the Zoo Ant for a show. We're gonna go see the Black Crows. That's in August. But uh, our next show, I think we're we're actually going to be planning on going is um, Aranda at VZDs. I think they're playing next weekend. That's okay. our next show that we're planning on being on. You know, you're talking earlier. Who who is it that said the first band you went and saw? Who was it? George Jones. George Jones. You know, it's funny to say that because the first concert that I was supposed to go to was actually a Garth Brooks concert. And it was supposed to be like an intimate acoustic thing and all this stuff. And oh, he does? Is it like the small bar thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And okay. I ended up getting an earache. My mom won tickets off a radio show, and she oh. was going to bring me. And I got an earache and couldn't go. And so, like, I always, like, if I ever got to see Garth Brooks, like, I would be that fan of the crowd that's holding up that sign, you know, to try to get his attention so I get it, you know, get a guitar, you know. And, uh, but ended up not going and, uh, didn't go to a concert for a long time. And the first concert that I actually remember going to and sitting down at, and I kicked myself because I was a jackass the whole time and pissed off that my parents made me go was John Anderson and Don Williams. Whoa. And I was so pissed. I was like 12 or 13. I'm like, I don't want to see these. Old, old out country suckers. Like, like they, they probably can't even stand. Like they're going to be sitting down the whole time, you know, like this is going to suck. And now I look back and I'm like, what a douche. Like you got to see Don Williams and John Anderson and you acted like a real douchebag. That's like, <clears throat> one thing I, uh, we got to see Joe Cocker yeah. with, um, oh, was it Buddy Guy or? I seen Buddy Guy. I that can't was... remember, but I just remember seeing Joe Cocker and it blew me the fuck away that this, tiny little old man <laughs> yeah just crushed it and yeah. then he died and i'm like that's why if these go- these acts come through uh, me and my wife are like all right let's go see him yeah. you know because some of my favorite artists are getting to the ages now that it's like you might not see him next time around yeah mm-hmm. and so it's just sometimes hard to shell out three four hundred dollars a ticket to see some of those yeah. those you know, classic acts or whatever. But my, another one we're looking at is Aerosmith. When we're going to Las Vegas in July, okay. they, yeah. they're they're going to be at their residency. So okay, well, might I, be one to see. As far as old old retirement acts, you yeah. know, yeah, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah, eighties uh, hair metals retiring. <laughs> they're coming up on it, man. I've uh, I got a I got a funny story for y'all talking about going to concerts. So one of my favorite commercial outlaw artists, Travis Tritt. 
you know, I like him. phenomenal guitar player. You know, like I like it blew me away, like how awesome of a guitar player he is. And so really started, you know, I play quite a bit of his music at my shows. <clears throat> well, uh, my wife came up to me one time and I, I want to say it was Christmas time or something like that. And he was going to play at uh, the Riverwind and she got me VIP tickets. We were like two or three rows back from the stage, spent all this money on these tickets to go see him. And I was like, man, this is like the best present ever. Like, I get to see Travis Tritt. Like, I, I know exactly how much it costs because I was going to go to the same show. I mean, my wife were like, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. well, she bought me these tickets. And so I was like, all right, awesome. I said, babe, when's the concert? And she's like, it's on Saturday. And I'm like, okay, cool. And she's like, well, you know, we can go and get dinner, you know, and all that stuff. And have, you know, make a date night of it. I'm yep. like, all right, cool. Sounds awesome. So, all week I was amped. I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. So Saturday rolls around, you know, it's one of those that it's like, man, I'm going to wake up as early as I can. I said, so it'll go by faster. And I said, the concert <laughs> will get here. It's going to be a great time. So time rolls by and I'm talking to her and we're trying to figure out where we want to eat at. So we go into the Olive Garden. That's her favorite restaurant to eat at. So we went to the Olive Garden and ate and got, uh, got on the road. We go to the River Wink Casino, got there, came walking up and I was just, you know, grinning from ear to ear and stoked you know that i could see travis tritt and told the guy up there at the ticket counter he's uh he said man who are y'all here to see and i said man we're gonna see travis tritt and he's like oh really he's like i've always wanted to see travis tritt he's like i wasn't able he's like i'm working so i wasn't able to get tickets and i'm like oh that sucks man i said well maybe one day you can see him he's like hopefully so and there was some hesitancy when he turned around to get the tickets and so i was kind of like well whatever you know well he turned back around and looked at us and he said who are you here to see and I said, Travis Tritt. And he's like, uh, Travis Tritt was last night. And I said, dude, don't even play. I was like, give me the tickets. I said, I'm not even. I said, you're not going to destroy my night. And he's like, no, seriously, Mr. Haley. He said, he said, Travis Tritt was last night. The look on my wife's face. Oh, <laughs> it, no. it was oh. so, so bad. <laughs> you had the wrong day. Oh, yeah, I had no. the wrong day. So uh, have I got to see Travis Tritt since then? No. <laughs> because my <laughs> wife will not go. <laughs> Shout out to Travis Tritt. You shouldn't have changed your dates at the last minute like exactly. that on these poor people out in Oklahoma. <laughs> Clearly, the wife was correct in her assessment, and you changed your tour dates at the last minute. (laughs) And didn't send the announcement out. Didn't get the memo. (laughs) So Hell's bells. Well, uh, guys about ready to wrap this up. I think we're good. Well, Luke, thank you so much for coming in, brother. Man, I appreciate y'all. Thank you. It's been awesome. We will. uh, We got the pictures of the hats and stuff. I know you sent me, and um, we'll... Get one more on the way out, and our episode should be out next week. We'll have you up on the tags and everything, man. Awesome. I appreciate y'all. Thank you, gentlemen. Awesome, man. Thank you. Luke Haley, upcoming gigs, Highway 62 Fest, April 15th. Where's that? Choctaw, Nakoma Park? Yep. Uh, Soggy Bottoms Trail, August 6th and October 15th. That's down in Winnet, Oklahoma, the campgrounds down there. Uh, Jonathan, take us out, bud. All right. Um, first of all, I want to do a shout out to the Hilo and uh, thank them for many years of uh, good times and crazy times and I've met a lot of friends inside that building and I've, and I have a lot of friends, you know, that will probably be friends for a long, long time after that building. So, uh, they're supposed to be moving location. We'll see how that works out. Is the building going away? Now, according to my friend that, that, uh, that works across the street, um, that does security over there. Uh, one of my longtime friends, uh, she said that they already started demolition on the oh, front wow. part of the building. Well. So they ain't wasting no time. Um, <laughs> 
And so, uh, so yeah, but I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole, it kind of goes with the whole keeping Oklahoma weird, uh, uh, out there, you know, because it's always called the stray bar. All are welcome there. Uh, it's, it's one of those rare places that like people can actually feel accepted without people like judging them for who they are. Where are and, they moving to? What location? Don't, don't know. know don't know yet. But the uh, Hilo is staying. It's a, a name. It's an interest. yeah, yeah. The Hilo Club is uh, is a is a thing that's like goes like. I mean, if you you know if you see people out around the city, usually they'll be wearing like the Hilo hoodies and stuff. Um, pretty much, those are all the regulars that have been going there for shit fucking thirty fucking plus years. Uh, some of them, some of them, uh, some of the older people that we had in there uh, last night when they were shutting down was like they'd been coming there since the beginning. Like they were, they were coming there whenever it was actually a private club and things like that. So it's pretty crazy. Some of the people, how old they are. Well, and shout out to the high low, and I guess whenever they get a new location, we'll see y'all next time around. Yeah, you know. So, uh, other than that, uh, the podcast runs on the value for value system. That is time, talent, and treasure. So we value everybody's time for listening. Uh, we know that there's a lot of podcasts out there, and you can be listening to many different things. Um, and so that's how you kind of show your support, go out, tell other people about the show, tell them about what we're doing. Uh, I've been getting a lot of good feedback whenever I'm out and about, about people telling us, you know, thank you for what we're doing. Oh dude. April um, filled up in one day. Yeah. Damn. Like, well, that, and that's, yeah, us, that's, that's awesome. That's us doing one a week. And that's another yeah. thing we, we might consider going even more with content if we have it available. I mean, yeah, once we, once we, we go video about. and stuff, I think we can probably do stuff like that because, but, um, but it's making some it's, noise, man. Some, making some a little bit social of media and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then as for talent, if you want to be on the show, then you can hit me up at John at the local Um, or you can hit up Brad on Instagram mm-hmm. and then, uh, just make contact with one of us and just let us know what you're all about. And then, uh, we can yeah, get you scheduled for an episode. Um, and then treasure, if you want to give your money, uh, we take donations at the local Um, there's a little tab that says donate. We take crypto and we also take cash app and Ventmo. Um, and then we've been, you know, just going over and over again about the subscriptions on how we're going to do it. Cause we actually, we want to do something really special for our fans so uh thank you for listening bye guys